Welcome to Will Talks. In this podcast, we focus on all things that pertain to the Christian life and living. I am your host, Will Ferguson, pastor of Temple Baptist Church in Canton. I am glad you can join us. Okay, so in this recording, I want to share with you something that I missed in my sermon this morning. It's weird. It was a total point that I was planning on making, and I totally missed it. And uh, as a result, my sermon was actually 15 minutes shorter than what it normally is, which is okay from time to time. It's it's okay. So, so I want to share with you my sermon that was out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. I want to read that, and I want to give you the, just kind of highlight the points that I made to share with you that I actually failed to share it. It's 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It goes, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I chose this text because it would, it would, I'd be able to expound some other areas of Scripture. All right, so there are four points here that I focused on. The first point I focused on is the unearthly limitation might lead to a heavenly breakthrough. So in that point, I talked about Paul's limitations that was given to him, born in the flesh, and a messenger of Satan. And this was for a reason that he would be to keep him from becoming conceited. And so I would talk about, and I did talk about this morning, pride goes before a fall. And so God's mercy to Paul was to keep him from becoming prideful. And we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, a lot of people who became prideful, and so it removed God's hand off their life. So the surest way to lose God's help is to be proud to lose God's help and power is through pride. Even Satan, and we talked about Satan, the reason why he fell was through his pride. So what God was doing was sparing Paul the heartache of pride. Now, it would have been at this time where I talk about how Paul actually had things to be proud about because of the revelation of God. And it would be at that time that I would have gone back to chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, and I would talk about this. But let me move on to the rest of this, the points of the sermon. So I talked about an earthly limitation might lead to a heavenly breakthrough, and we'll talk about the heavenly breakthrough here pretty soon. And then the second point, I talked about how he prayed for, for this thorn to be removed, and God said no. There's sometimes God says no. God doesn't heal all physical infirmities. And so there's people that think that God heals everything. No, he doesn't. Definitely in the case of Paul. And there are some other examples of that as well. But the answer was that God gave was that his grace is sufficient for him. And we talked about how important that was and what the meaning of that was. And we usually think of grace in regards to salvation. And there's grace upon God's working upon churches, upon people to cause them to be generous and loving towards others. But for here, this was his answer of affirmation 
that his plans for Paul was for a greater purpose. Makes it so you're okay. When God gives us a weakness, allows us to struggle in weakness, and God's Spirit speaks to our heart and speaks to us and lets us know, hey, it's okay. I'm going to use this for something. I'm going to use your weakness for something that is beyond you. That makes us feel all right. So God tells him, my power is perfected in weakness. And I talked about the common element in all miracles, that there must be a need. And God uses weakness far greater than he uses our strength. So in order for God to work, there must be a need. Weakness is God's opportunity. Weakness pays the way for God to work. And we talked about that a little bit. And then I move on to Paul's resolve. So then Paul had a resolve. He says, therefore, I will boast in my weakness so the power of Christ may rest upon me. Power of Christ, basically the word rest means it tense on me. It, it, it's upon me, his power. So he's dependent upon the power of Christ. He no longer lives independent. So as Christians, when we mature and grow, we do not grow independent of God. We grow in dependency upon God. The more we mature, the greater our dependency on God becomes. Our faith grows stronger and our dependency becomes stronger. There was actually a story about a man, a king, Uzziah, who actually grew to be independent. And it talks about in, in, in chapter 26 of Second uh, Chronicles how Uzziah was greatly helped until he became strong. And then verse 16, 26 verse 16 says, But when he became strong, he became arrogant and led to his own destruction. So we don't need to be afraid of our weaknesses. We need to be careful of our strengths so that we can continue to depend on the Lord. But the weakness that Paul was given, it gave him the ability to be able to have great revelations into heaven. So that's where we want to talk about in this recording is in chapter 12, verse 1. I want to read verses 1 through 7. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but not on my own behalf. I will not boast, except of my weakness. Though I, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So Paul's concern in this revelation he got, this great spiritual experience, great spiritual encounter, one of his concerns is he didn't want the people to think he was more than what he actually was. God gave him these, these great revelations. God gave him these great spiritual experiences. He talks about the third heaven. He was caught up to the third heaven. So he had a vision. Now, of all the, the accomplishments that a man could have, the greatest accomplishment would be that you would get a sneak peek into the heaven, into heaven itself. And this is what it is. When he talks about the third heaven, now many people suggest that the first heaven would represent the, the atmosphere, the sky on this earth. 
The second heaven would represent outer space, and the third heaven would represent going into a an unseen dimension, the celestial realm. And this is really what he's talking about. No matter what, no matter what how we interpret that, we know that in the Hebrew literature, the rabbinical literature, they actually have the seventh heaven. The seventh heaven is the highest heaven. They actually have seven dimensions in Hebrew literature, and that that's very very complicated. So we won't go there. But I don't think he's even talking about anywhere near close to what the Hebrews would be talking about there. But basically, the third heaven is just a general statement saying, I was caught up into the spiritual the spiritual realm, the celestial realm, the third heaven. And he says, and I know this man was caught up into paradise. It's the same thing. It's synonymous. The paradise of God is synonymous with the third heaven. Okay, so he's, he's saying he actually got to visit heaven. Now this actually is worth considering when we hear about all these people in the, I think about 10 years ago, about five to 10 years ago, yeah, these people are coming out with these books, how they, they died and they got to see heaven, their ancestors, they talked with their parents or siblings or whatnot, and they came back and talked about it. Paul, he was caught up to this place. This was not his experience. In fact, he said his experience was so, was he couldn't even utter what was, it was beyond description, beyond words. He couldn't even utter what was there. In fact, even says he couldn't even tell if it was out-of-the-body experience or in-the-body experience. He couldn't even tell. He, there was a lot of things he couldn't understand. But he does know he did see it. He did experience it. And it was very difficult for him to be able to describe it. Now, I want to mention here, very important point, that Paul is experiencing this, not so he can share it, obviously, because he he can't share it. I mean, he's not even able to think about how to describe it. Paul's experiencing this simply because God is giving him the privilege of experiencing this. This is just out of pure privilege. He's experiencing a, he's having a spiritual experience, a truly spiritual experience where he's experiencing heaven and he's getting a glimpse of it and he can't even, can't even, don't even know how to describe it. All because just because <laughs> he, he's not even he's not even charged with sharing with anybody he doesn't have to describe it he can't describe it with anybody so this is just there are sometimes when god gives us experiences and those experiences come to us simply by god's grace because god just wants us to experience it i think about the mount of transfiguration peter james and john they see jesus being transfigured Why, what was the purpose purpose of that well the purpose was just so they could see it. They got to be able to experience it. And they were able to share that experience. Okay, so here's this spiritual experience, this great spiritual experience that Paul received that was beyond imagination. I believe that angels and demons and the celestial beings in heavenly places, they are, even though they're in an unseen realm, they are still in a dimension where space and time exist, where, where they are still bound by the laws of space and time. They, they're not present everywhere. They, Satan, you see him entering and going and going in and come through. You see him traveling and you see time is relevant to angels and demons. And time is relevant to us, uh, terrestrial beings. And time is relevant to, and space is relevant to them as well as to us. Because uh, Satan has to travel. We see angels had to travel from place to place as well. However, there's one person 
that is in the celestial realm, but is actually he's he's in the celestial realm, but he's also in a, a realm all his own, and that's God. That's a whole different dimension. Because God can be God, the Bible teaches that He is an He's an in every place all the time at all times. So God space and time is irrelevant to God. God is not bound by space and time because God is here and as far in everywhere in all the galaxies in every place in every dimension all the time God is present in those places. So he is not bound by space and time. He is the only one that can be in that dimension even though he can exist in all three and he can exist in the spiritual realm as well as in the physical realm, we see God, God is complex, he's very complex. But this is where Paul comes. He comes to this place, he comes to the spiritual realm, and he's able to see these spiritual things. He describes it, he doesn't even know, but he, but he does talk about paradise, and the apostle John is taken in the spirit to the paradise of God, and he does describe it a little bit in Revelation, the last chapters where he sees the city of God there in the paradise of God. He sees that and he does describe it. When you get an experience like this, a, a super spiritual experience, especially a guy like the Apostle Paul who had studied under, he was a Pharisee and he was a, uh, from the tribe of Benjamin and he studied in Gamaliel. And here he is, this experience would totally blow away any credentials that they would have. He sees heaven. And so this would be something a person could definitely boast about. When God gives us these spiritual experiences, it is sometimes a challenge to fight the pride that these spiritual experiences, but God does not want us to have the pride. He doesn't want us to be prideful. And so with, with Paul, he was merciful in giving him something that would keep him from being prideful. And so this was the spiritual dimension that, that exists and that is real, that Paul was caught up to. Now, by the way, the, the words caught up, and caught up to the third heaven, caught up into paradise, those same words are the word for rapture. Harpasso is the Greek word harpasso, and the rapture is actually taken from a, a uh, Latin translation of harpasso. The Latin is raptura, rap, rapio, and, and so we get the word rapture. So he says, I was, I was raptured to the third heaven. He says, I was raptured into paradise. He's talking about how he was actually transferred from where he was into a whole different place. So he entered into a different place. And I think, and we don't know, he, and he doesn't even know whether he was physically in the body or if he was out of the body. He doesn't know if it was a spirit that was seeing it, but he was able to see it. Kind of interesting, the paradox that he heard things that cannot be told, <laughs> which man may not utter. And some people talk about music and lights and all that, but Paul didn't say anything about that. He goes to this place, he comes back, and he is very fearful about boasting in that. And I think about some of these people who write these books and they talk about their, their, this heavenly experience. Are they fearful about boasting about that? About making money selling books on that? Paul had this attitude that, that and, and definitely God gave him this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan to buffet him to keep him humble. Okay, so there you have it. This in a very quick nutshell, about the third heaven. And uh, I think all Christians need to know about 
the spiritual realm. We need to be sharing with them about the spiritual realm. It's not just something that we, we share because it's cool and neat, trying to teach itching ears. It's definitely something that is in the scriptures and in the worldview of the Hebrews and the Jewish people. And for us Christians to have a pragmatic mindset, void of any spiritual thought, is ridiculous. Because we live in a spiritual world where there's angels and demons and we have the, the spiritual realm that's all around us. And Paul had seen this. But the one thing that I wondered about and when, I, when I read this is how a person, when they do see heaven, when they would see Jesus, how they wouldn't be ruined for this life. I mean, if you, if you go to something, like you see like a person who has meth, you know, or heroin, they take a hit and they have this most exhilarating experience of their life and how it ruins them and they have to constantly want to have it again and again. I, how can a person go and see paradise and go and see that and not be ruined to want to see it again and want to have more and, and for this life? But somehow the Apostle Paul was able to, when he came back, uh, it was able to be okay. And, and even John... And even the, and Ezekiel and these other guys and Daniel, these other guys were able to to see into these things and and to be able to come back to earth. And I hope it gave you a little taste of what I missed this morning. Maybe sometime in the future I might share a little bit more about that. An earthly limitation might lead to heavenly breakthrough. So if we want to be able to see and experience and know the Lord better, sometimes it may come at the cost of some kind of physical infirmity. We know that Jacob, when he wrestled with the angel, he was given his leg out of socket and caused him to limp the rest of his life. And so there are certain things that are marks that would indicate sometimes that when we have an experience with God and God revealed something to us, there may be an earthly limitation that we experience that heavenly, the heavenly vision. So those who claim to have a heavenly vision are they boastful about it? Are they? Where, what's their attitude? And there's people who said they went to hell and came back. People who said they went to heaven and came back. And some of the descriptors don't always match with the scripture. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. If you have any questions, check us out on our website, tbccanton.com. That's tbccanton.com. We have video messages there, and you can also use our email tab on there. Till next time, God bless you. Bye-bye.